Hey, it's Jason Mark, and this weekend our beautiful city will host the annual Chicago Marathon. Now, I'm not a runner. In the warmer months, you'll often find me with a fishing pole in my hand or maybe playing catch with my boys. But every year here in Chicago, tens of thousands of people hit the pavement to take part in 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, marathons, and run walks of varying lengths. Multiple websites are devoted to people specifically searching out these events, with more than 100 taking place in the city of Chicago every year. We are back on the streets of Chicago and ready for racing. More than 20,000 strong, decked out in green and running down the heart of this Chicago. Morning, the hot chocolate 15K, 5K return About this Chicago. year's turkey drop, 5K. This allows people from all around the world to come here and run through our neighborhood. And we got a question from a listener who wanted to know what the process is like to get permission to hold one of these events and what kind of rules they need to follow. Well, in a city where you need a permit for everything from fixing up your house to selling food out of a cart, you know the process isn't necessarily as cut and dry as filling out the online form. In theory, all you have to do is, if you've got a computer, you can go on their website and there's uh, applications. Yeah, in theory. So we decided to reach out to a guy who helps put together Chicago's ultra marathons to find out what hoops people need to jump through to put on a run or walk in Chicago. Wait a minute, I just paid a $200 application fee. And they said, yeah, that's the application fee. The permit fee is $100. And it was like, but you're not even doing anything. Yup, give us $100 or you don't get the permit. That's coming up next, along with a few unexpected twists since this story first aired. Stick around. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. When someone says ultra marathon to me, I'm thinking of a movie marathon, like Godfather 1 and 2 followed immediately by Goodfellas. Now funny how? I mean funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? What do you mean funny? Funny or how? Or maybe something more sports related like an English soccer game in the morning, a Cubs game in the afternoon, a Bulls game in the evening, and a little nightcap of some Japanese sumo. No, but an actual ultra marathon? It's very simple. Anything longer than a marathon, so marathon distance is 26.2 miles, an ultra marathon is anything longer than that. Some are pretty simple, like the 50K. So that's a marathon plus five miles. But for most ultra marathoners, that's pretty weak sauce. Popular distances are the 50 mile, 100K, which would be 62.2 miles, 100 miler, multi-day, 200 milers, see how far you can run in 24 hours. Jeff Flights is one of the organizers of the Chicago Ultra Marathons. They happen twice a year, usually in March and October along the city's lakefront. 
And Jeff was a runner even before he started putting these events together. A friend of mine, he said, you know, these days everybody's running marathons. That's not such a big deal. So I want to run an ultra marathon. So that was probably the motivation was just, you know, running a little bit further. So Jeff gets into this ultra marathon world. And a few years later, one thing leads to another. He becomes co-race director. So now he's got to figure out how these things are put together. And one of the biggest parts of the race he's in charge of is getting the event permits from the city. It's a little bit confusing if you haven't done it before. Which, of course, is an understatement. This permit process involves multiple steps. You have to, first of all, pay a permit application fee. And you can submit a permit. That's right. The very first thing you do is pay $35 just to apply for the permit. You may not end up getting the permit, but they'll take your 35 bucks just for trying. Then you need to figure out exactly which city department you need to submit your application to. See, different city departments handle similar events, but... It depends on the course routing. If you're going to stay within the park district property... And park district property includes the lakefront and the lakefront trail. Then you only need a Chicago park district permit. But if you're going to be on the roads, closing roads, closing sidewalks, or anything like that... Then you also have to get a D-case permit... D-CASE stands for Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events. And you might need a permit from CDOT. That's the Chicago Department of Transportation. And you have to submit the permit within three days of submitting that application fee. Not quite sure why, but uh, you do. (laughs) And so much of this is based on timing. The permit process opens up online in mid-November, and you need to be on it. Because there are only so many weekend dates available where it doesn't feel like winter, and it's all on a first-come, first-served basis. And I think they get a couple hundred people in line within the first, you know, minutes like that. Okay, so now he's cleared the first couple of hurdles. Race planners like Jeff would submit two or three possible dates for their event. But because Jeff's events are really early and late in the season, late March and late October, he only submits one day and crosses his fingers. So far, he hasn't had any problems. The problems and the confusion and the craziness come later. The first race he ever pulled permits for, he was told he needed a park district and a D-case permit. And as he recalls, here's what happened. His alderman says, why do you need both? The criteria for a D-case permit is if you close streets, if you prepare food or serve alcohol, and if you have a stage more than two feet tall, but you're not doing any of these things. And the answer I got back was, well, because you're advertising for this race. And again, it doesn't say anything in the D-case application that if you're advertising for the race, you have to have a D-case permit. But yeah, I was just told you have, say, more than 50 people in your advertising, so you got to get a D-case permit. Okay, okay. 
When we reached out to DK's about this, they said that permit was needed so city officials could properly plan for what kind of assets would be needed in case of an emergency. But there's no mention of this requirement in the permit application guide. And as he filled out more and more of these permit applications, Jeff quickly found out that all these fees were really stacking up. I submitted the application and it was late. So I had to pay $200 instead of $100 for the application fee. I get an email that comes back and says, your application's been approved. You owe us $100. And I called the person and said, wait a minute, I just paid a $200 application fee. And they said, yeah, that's the application fee. The permit fee is $100. And it was like, well, you're not even doing anything. Yep, give us $100 or you don't get the permit. Yep, fees on top of fees on top of fees. And the cost of putting on the event just starts going through the roof. The more the city charges for all these permits, the more racers need to be charged to make the event happen. So Jeff starts looking for ways to cut costs. When I looked a little bit deeper, there's a tiered approach to how much the permit costs. It depends on the number of people that are attending the event as well as the location of the event. Spots along race routes with water or snacks are called aid stations. And for each aid station, the city charges an additional $500 fee. If you want what the city calls an expanded aid station, that'll be $4,125. So Jeff comes up with a creative idea for how to remove one of the aid stations. So I went back to the park district and said, hey, we're going to just do away with one of these aid stations. Uh, where we used to have an aid station, we're just going to put a seven-gallon jug of water on a table with the sign that says uh, Chicago Lakefront Ultras. You know, so can you uh, remove that aid station from the permit and give us our $500 back? Well, they talked to their supervisor and came back and said, no, that's an aid station. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, seven gallons of water sitting next to the lakefront path costs us $500. We decided in the future we won't uh, put a jug of water out there anymore. People just have to carry water. Even when you're absolutely sure that you've got all your ducks in a row, you've made your plans, you've paid your fees, you've notified the neighborhood police commander, you've got to be prepared for something else to happen. For example, since these ultra marathons take so long to complete, they naturally want to start early. Now, many of the parking lots on the south end of DuSable Lakeshore Drive have gates that are locked at night so people don't park there overnight. If you want them unlocked extra early, you need to, yes, you guessed it, pay a fee. But a fee, of course, is not the same thing as a guarantee. One year, the race director before Jeff paid $500 or whatever it was to get the gates opened at 5 a.m. And uh, the gate wasn't open. And so there's a line of traffic, you know, all the participants lined up in their cars like, come on, we got to get in here and get ready. Well, eventually they got tired of waiting, so they drove around the gate on the grass and everybody just comes through. After the race, the park district said, you owe us $500 for the damage to the uh, lawn there. 
So I said, well, can I get my $500 back for not opening the gate? No. <laughs> so they had to fork over the money for services that weren't rendered and also had to pay because of the damage to the grass. Now, this is how Jeff recalls what happened, and it certainly makes for good race-permitting lore. We weren't able to independently verify that this is exactly how things went down, although the fee for early entry is actually $450, not $500. We did reach out to the park district for comment, but didn't get a response. And even when the race is over, sometimes it's not over. Like the time Jeff's predecessor used surveyor's chalk paint to mark out the course. Well, one year he got a little bit overzealous and put these orange paint markings all over the course. So the park district came out and said, you've got to remove that paint from the pavement. And he said, it's not paint, it's chalk paint. You know, it's surveyor's chalk paint. Well, it, I've seen it. it. It sticks on pavement for a month or two before it really wears away. And the park district said, well, you either remove all those markings or we're keeping your $500 security deposit. He had to go out there with a scrub brush and rubbing alcohol and stuff to remove all this paint from the path. But all these permitting issues, all these things that pop up before, during, or even after the race, they never seem to stop the race itself or the joy people get from taking part in them. Ultramarathons have been taking place in Chicago since the 1980s, and Jeff has been a co-director since 2018. To his knowledge, not once during all that time has a race been called off because of a permitting issue. Coming up, what kind of people run 50 miles or more in a day? The answer may surprise you. And can any of this motivate me to get off my tuchus and get a little healthier? That's next. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. It's really, it's all about pacing. Pacing. Yeah, that's something that really made me think. And not about starting with the chips and moving on to the Oreos. You heard me make a joke that my idea of an ultra marathon is lying on the couch watching movies or sports for eight straight hours. And I make jokes because the truth is I'm not happy with myself. I've gotten way out of shape. The idea of running to the end of the block and back seems as crazy and out of the question as running an ultra marathon. And yet, something about working on this story really got me thinking. I was asking some questions about who runs these races, and Jeff starts telling me all these stories. Last year, Believe it or not, we had a runner who was 85 years old and he set a American record in the 50K distance. Okay, well, 
If an 85-year-old guy can do this, could I? We have one guy who comes back consistently. He walks the entire distance, the 50K distance, like a power walk. And the funny thing is there'll be people running and he'll be passing them <laughs> because he just keeps going. He just paces himself. He knows, knows what he's doing. And they've got other older runners, too. We've got another runner who is uh, in her 70s. She has completed over 200 ultramarathons. 200? She just comes out there, knows what she's going to do. Okay, this is actually inspiring me. Is it possible? Maybe not an ultramarathon, but could I run, say, a 5K by the end of the summer? Anybody can really do it. You just have to, first of all, put your mind to it. And secondly, pace yourself and, and not go out too fast. You just have to keep moving. Well, I promised some updates earlier in the podcast. So here's the first one. Since this story first aired, I've lost, get this, 30 pounds. Now, it's great, but it's only about halfway to my goal. I got to say, though, that's a pretty decent chunk of weight and didn't happen with fad diets or starving myself. It just was about actually watching what I put in my mouth, eating a little bit less and moving more. As Jeff said, you just have to keep moving. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. I've also been taking a Pilates class once a week for about six months, which has activated parts of my body I never knew existed. And the last bit of news is I finally participated in my first 5K just this past weekend. Was it invigorating, you ask? Did it make me want to do another one? And no, no, it did not. <laughs> but I can say that I did it. And it actually wasn't the distance that killed me. I walked nearly that far over the course of the day with the dog. It was just the pounding my feet and ankles and knees took. So I think I'll stick to the walking. But if you're in a bit of a physical rut like I was, just get out there and do something. Throw on your headphones and turn on a Curious City podcast from our archives. We're the perfect companion to a nice 15 to 20 minute walk. And you do that a few times a day or even just a few times a week. And I'm telling you, you're going to start feeling a lot better. And hey, if you dig what we do, and I know you do because you're still listening, come hang out with Curious City at our next live event. It's called Suds on Screen, Drinking Scenes in Film and TV. We'll explore pivotal bar scenes and iconic movies and TV shows with a special focus on some Chicago gems. Join us Thursday, October 19th at Goose Island Barrel House. You can grab your tickets at wbeasy.org slash events. Curious City is supported by the Conan Family Foundation and is part of the NPR Podcast Network. The show is produced by me and Joe Dassault. Maggie Civet is our digital and engagement producer. Adriana Cardona-Magigat is our reporter. And our editor is Susie Ahn. I'm Jason Mark. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you back here next week. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. 
NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.